Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. My name's Catherine Carr, and this is Season 3 of Relatively, the podcast all about potentially the longest relationships of your life. (laughs) What? I'll be bringing siblings together to talk about the connections they have as adults, as well as what it was like growing up together. This week, we're talking to Pornabelle and Priya Joy. My name is Pornabelle, and I am the younger sister of Priya Joy by four years. Uh, I am Priya Joy, and I am Purna's older sister by four and a half years. Priya, I'm sorry, she got it out of me. <laughs> oh God, I knew you'd cave. <laughs> but I'll also talk to them separately to get a more private take on the relationship. And I just remember, you know, um, sitting downstairs on the sofa with my knees up to my chest, and she just held me and. I don't know that I would have wanted anyone else next to me in that moment. There's something in you, maybe on a cellular level, you sort of feel what that loss can feel like. And it's a taster sort of reminding you, don't let each other go, I think. Brothers and sisters are never straightforward. Porna and Priya, or Poobles and Preebles, were born in Kent, but spent a chunk of their childhood apart, with Priya in India and Porna in the UK. The pair are really close now, and acknowledge they work at being friends as well as sisters, providing support to each other through motherhood, bereavement and their respective careers. Priya's memoir on motherhood, race and identity is out next spring. Porna's award-winning book, Stronger, is out in paperback now. We talk about all of that, about manky gym kit, about being a goth and about last minute packing. But Porna started by describing the time when Priya left to go overseas. So I was around six when she left and I'm sure my parents would have had conversations with me before her going. But I think when you're that age, you don't really have much of a concept of time. So I definitely remember that period as just being one day she was there and then she wasn't and I didn't really understand why she wasn't there I knew that she was in India I just didn't understand why she was no longer around so I was eight I had just turned eight uh, that summer and this was around September October and the idea was that my Mum's dad, who who was not very well at all, my grandfather, he wanted to spend more time with me. And I was supposed to go to India just for a year. And my mum, I think because I was going out of sort of infancy and becoming an older child, she wanted me to know what it was like to live in India, to be in India, because we this was late 1970s, early 80s in Maidstone in Kent. It was super white, a bit racist. There was nothing Indian around us. And so mum really, really wanted me to have that. So the idea was that I would go for a year, but then that extended and I ended up living with my grandparents for four years with my mum and my sister and my dad back in Maidstone. 
I just remember, um, and it, it feels like it's quite deep and emotional in terms of just how much I missed her and especially leading up to when I knew we were going to be reunited and my mother and I were going to move back to India and our father was going to join us a little bit later. And I just remember thinking, I just wanted her to love me. I know that that sounds ridiculous, but I just wanted her to just immediately love me and think I was the best thing in the world. And I just remember sort of picking out, you know, the presents I wanted to take to her, you know, with such careful precision. I think it was very Postman Pat heavy. <laughs> it's a good reference. And, yeah, and a lot of um, a lot of sweets. And I think that when I then saw her, you know, on the other side, when I saw her in India, I mean, I can articulate this now, you know, in adult language, but it was as if I'd been reunited with a part of me that had just been very fundamentally missing. Mm. You know, I was quite a tiny child and I just remember when you're sort of hugging each other or all her arms around me, I just didn't want to ever let go of her or not be around her. And then we lived there for another four years. The idea was my dad was going to join us but he just couldn't for various reasons. So when I was 16, after eight years of being in India, we then all moved back to live in Kent altogether. Wow, that's quite a factual retelling of something that must have a lot of feelings contained in it. I tell it in such a factual way because when you tell the stories of your childhood and they are unusual, I think we often distill them down into these little nuggets. But Beneath those nuggets are icebergs of emotion. I was a young child. I mean, my daughter's about to turn eight. So this would be like me and my husband deciding to send her to India to live with my parents there, which feels unimaginable. It truly does. I mean, she's old enough to do a lot of things, but she's also so young. Mm. As an adult, you say you can make more sense of it. Of course we can. We can all make more sense of stuff when we're grown up and have the language and the frame of reference. But when you do think about it, do you feel sad or hurt or cross that she was taken away from you? Or do you understand it totally now, logically, and it's um, something you can handle? I think that we've spoken to my parents about it. And I, I can understand why the decision was made. I don't necessarily know that you know, I would have made that decision. But I think that with your parents, there's an element of forgiveness because you're expecting them to behave in the way that you would behave. And they had far fewer options, um, especially as first generation immigrants coming to the UK from our family. Mm. So it's it's easy for me to judge it, you know, with my lens, but I, I just don't really feel that that's going to be useful or helpful. But Despite that empathy that I might have, there is always going to be a part of me that feels fundamentally sad that we were apart and that it has, you know, undoubtedly affected us in, in certain ways. And maybe if you kind of like look at it from the, the other point of view, it's that we are incredibly, incredibly close as siblings. And it's hard to extract that, to, to, to sort of look at that and think, oh, well, would that have happened had we not been separated? But on balance, absolutely, I wish that we hadn't been separated. I think that those kind of decisions, I think, has deep ramifications on you. And I also just think, you know, my parents' generation, I don't think understood how deeply 
children feel things I think that we are a lot more aware of it nowadays mm. um so I think the, un- the the sort of the idea of being upset or even when you know for example we moved back in 1992 and left our our friends and family behind in India and came to England I think was a hard concept to grasp with my parents that it was something that affected us as much as it did and that's no you know detriment to them I just think that they weren't really aware it's also a sort of luxury to have those sorts of emotions. I think if you're considering your parents in their context as first generation immigrants, perhaps the luxury of allowing those feelings when really you're acting for different impulses, if you see what I mean, it, yeah, it's hard absolutely. to see that for your children. This was also a time where families didn't really talk about things, not necessarily because I think they didn't want to, it just wasn't, I don't know, I don't think parents didn't often talk through decisions with their kids, I think in the way that maybe we do a lot more these days. It was difficult, but then when I moved to India, I was surrounded by love. I don't think I was unhappy in my school in England, but I was a very quiet, shy child. I don't remember loving it or being happy. And then I went to India and I was surrounded by tons of kids. I lived in a big apartment block with my grandparents and there were 15 or 20 kids in in that block. We all played together every day and it was really communal and it didn't feel as acute in that moment as it has done when I've thought about it since. And and then having had a child as well, and I can then appreciate what it must have felt like for my parents. So there is all these layers of understanding that open up, don't they, when you grow up and you have kids and all of these things and you then see your these childhood memories that you just take for granted as part of yourself. It's felt a lot more painful as an adult, to be honest. I can completely understand that. I think the shift in perspective that comes from growing up and seeing yourself as so small, when actually when you were small, you felt quite big and quite capable. Yes, yeah. (laughs) I think that's a funny telescoping of, of time that happens and you think, oh, I wasn't really... Um, big enough to do that but I did it and I thought I was big enough but I wasn't (laughs) Um, yeah and and Porno also said you know the context of these decisions is very different as well the context that you and your husband would make that kind of decision or obviously not is very different to the context in which your parents were having to make that sort of decision that's right. I think it was a it was quite a different time. There was much less support um, for parents then. My mum was still quite young. She was about 24, 25 when she had me. She was working very long hours. My dad was a young doctor, so he was working all around the country. And there was no other family in, in England at that time. And I think it felt like quite an impossible situation. When me and my mum have talked about this, it was it wasn't an easy decision, and and I suppose it's one of those things when we when she's talked to me about this over the years, it was tremendously difficult, and it's still she still feels very emotional, and that was thirty something years ago, you know, like thirty five years ago. Mm. Yeah, I can I can well imagine time doesn't do much for memories like that. I don't think. No. It's very interesting. When I talk to siblings on this podcast who've been separated, for whatever reason, boarding school or bereavement or divorce, um, there does seem to be something in common with them, which you've sort of hinted at, which is kind of an intentionality as an adult in working on the sibling relationship because they know what it is to have had it denied for a while. 
wow, I've never really thought about it in that way, but um, but I think you're absolutely right. I think you, I'm not saying you value it more than other people, because I think people who, you know, are in love with their siblings are lucky enough to have a good relationship. Of course they value it, but when you are forced to evaluate something, you kind of know its value on a different level. I think so. I mean, I, I also think that it's the same with any relationship. And I include, you know, the one that you have with your parents, but especially so in a, in a sibling relationship where friendship is such a massively important part of that. But I think that sometimes that gets overtaken with, you know, the blood bond that you have or the family bond that you have with each other. And I can completely see how there is an over-reliance on that family bond to just you know, carry that relationship through. But absolutely, it, it needs to be intentional. And, you know, when I consider my relationship with Priya over the years, of which there have been so many different phases and different life experiences that we've both been through, which have fundamentally changed, well, it's fundamentally changed me at certain points as an individual, that relationship absolutely needs to be recalibrated and strengthened and nurtured. Because if it isn't, it's very, very easy, I think, for misunderstandings to slip in. Once that distance starts to creep in, it makes it so much harder to, I think, bridge that divide. And I, I say that from having seen that take place in other people's relationships with their siblings. Mm, absolutely. We did discuss whether, and other siblings on this podcast have shared whether being separated for whatever reason as siblings makes you slightly more intentional about your bond when you've grown up and realised what it is to be without your sibling. Yeah, that's true, actually. I don't think I've ever thought about that till now, but I think we're quite reflective people in general. And we have thought about those years when we were not together and then the years when we were together again. And also, just as being separated can be difficult, sometimes being reunited can be as well, because you can't just assume you're going to pick up where you left off just because you're family. So we've all had to negotiate those things over the years. And and yes, somewhere I do think we've we've felt some sort of core memory of being separated and not wanting to intentionally ever be separated again. There's something in you, maybe on a cellular level, you sort of feel what that loss can feel like. And it's a taster, sort of reminding you, don't let each other go, I think. This season of Relatively is sponsored by Find My Past, the online home of the 1921 census. By 1921, people from all over the world had begun arriving in Britain to start new lives. People like the remarkable Dr. Harold Moody. Jamaican-born Dr. Moody graduated top of his class studying medicine at King's College London and set up a practice working from home after struggling to find a job. Perhaps there's an inspiring story in your past. Find out in the 1921 census, exclusively available online at findmypast.co.uk. Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. 
Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. So if we could go rewind a little bit, you've come back from India and you're kind of displaced in your friendships and your schools and everything. Would you say that you were proper friends at that stage or did that come later for you and Priya? No, we we <laughs> we definitely weren't. Um, so you know, anyone who's who's got a sibling where you've got a four year divide, for the older sibling, there is what I imagine is the most irritating um, shadow that you will have in the form of your younger sibling, which was of course me. <laughs> I think I, the shadow bit I remember when we were at school, um, we were going to school in Kent and I was about 16, 17. So she was about 12 or 13 and we used to walk up this hill to school. It was only about 15 minutes away. And I would often walk with a friend and I would make her trail behind us. And it's, it's so cruel it's so... now in retrospect, but I just never let her walk with us. So she'd sort of like trudge, I don't know, 50 feet behind or something. And that's so mean. But <laughs> I don't remember it, but I'm sure she was fully justified in doing it. I'm sure I would have been walking very uncomfortably close to her. That would have necessitated it. <laughs> The, the distance measures but um but there's absolutely no doubt about it that I was unbelievably irritating about stuff like that so I I don't blame her at all there's there's no ill will harbored about that <laughs> I, I I'll give Priya credit you know she so she she was very like gentle and sweet as a child and um, and I would say that, you know, we had very different childhoods. So first of all, you know, a lot of prayers took place in India, whereas for me, my teenage years took place in England. I was this, you know, um, sort of little brown goth who listened to alternative music and had posters all over my bedroom. And it used to scare her friends when they used to come over <laughs> and visit. She was super skinny and she used to just be covered from head to toe in black and various textures of black like lace and netting and lots and lots of black eyeliner and um, black eyeshadow and black bags and yeah it was like a black hole her bedroom (laughs) and I was just trying to be a little bit rebellious and trying to break the rules and would smoke cigarettes you know in secret places and so on and I don't think Priya's upbringing was like that and I think there was this sort of one day where she found some cigarettes in my bag and she was like oh you know um whose are these are these yours I'm going to tell mum and I just remember thinking you are the least cool person I have ever come across in my entire life and I can't tell you anything because you're basically gonna snitch I think I was born a nerd nothing wrong with that (laughs) I was born no but and my daughter's very similar we both have this inherent 
I don't know, blueprint of the rules for everything are kind of laid in stone. And so the idea that she would lie about cigarettes, I thought, oh my God, what? I think she just had so much, much of a disregard for, well, this is how things are supposed to be, but I'm just going to do what I want. And probably there's also an older sister, younger sibling dynamic in there as well. The older one, especially in Indian families, older children are expected almost sometimes to substitute for parents, which has its own hang-ups and all of the other stuff. But but older kids are given a huge amount of responsibility in making sure that your younger siblings are okay. So while I'm not going to suggest that I wasn't being uncool, um, I felt like I had this real responsibility to make sure that she was okay and nothing bad ever happened to her so though that always weighed on me a lot when I, I remember as of when I was quite young you know that relationship very fundamentally changed when I think I was 17 and she was 21 and we both went to India for a family trip just the two of us oh. I think we got drunk on the plane we talked about loads of things and um, that just continued and I think that's when to me anyway our relationship switched over into this is my ally, you know, this is this is the person that I can count on and rely on, but is also older than me and so is hopefully more sensible than me and who I can turn to for advice and support when I need it. So it's like the battle lines were redrawn. It wasn't kind of you versus Priya and your parents. It was you and Priya versus the world, maybe. Yes. <laughs> that was a real moment where I think we saw each other as peers. I th- I'm pretty sure we shared a room and we talked about lots of things and there were lots of things I told her that had happened over my childhood and our shared childhood that she didn't know or maybe I'd wanted to not share with her or shield her from. And and it was a real kind of opening up to each other, which is the basis for any friendship, I think. And that made us friends as well as sisters. Yeah, I think there's that, that sort of beautiful moment where... Um... I know it happened with me and my sisters, but there's that beautiful moment where someone shares their perspective on your shared childhood. Shared insofar as it was. I know yours was slightly different. And you're like, oh, I didn't realise you saw it like that. Or, yes, that's exactly the same as me. And it's so bonding. Totally, yes. And and I think also it it always helps to see a situation from someone else's point of view. Someone else who's kind of going through it in the same way. Because if you ever speak to your parent about a situation, they have a radically different perspective, inevitably. But hearing my sibling talk about certain things or talk about how she felt, I think, when I left for India, which we'd never we'd never really spoken about. I didn't even know what she felt or how much she was aware of. That was massively bonding, I think, because we'd gone through these unusual experiences together. It was sort of that sort of sensation where... I just felt like I had kind of found this other part of me that that had been missing for a bit, you know, that I hadn't had around me for a while. You know, without being too dramatic, you just feel like you're kind of in the trenches a a little bit, you know, trying to figure out life. And especially when you grow up in, you know, a South Asian family and you're just wondering whether you're the only one who's thinking a certain way or feeling a certain way. And then you're like, oh, my God, no, I have this person alongside me who has gone through similar experiences is going through similar experiences it very much I think made made me feel a lot less alone and 
something you said earlier, um, I did read an article that you wrote um, about your relationship as sisters that quoted a text message that Priya sent you, which I thought was really beautiful. And you kind of talked about it earlier, about this idea that you can venture to places that your sibling hasn't been, but you have to somehow still, well, if you're lucky, you somehow still are able to make that relationship flex and bend and grow despite these different experiences. And I think she wrote something like that to you after your book was published. Am I right? She did. She is a beautiful writer and she she put it so poignantly. I think the word she used was there are realms that we've been to that the other hasn't. And I think that um, what it requires uh, really is that you know that the other has maybe gone through an experience, whether that's bereavement, whether that's motherhood, that the other hasn't. But actually, sometimes that stuff doesn't matter because what you're really looking for, I think, in that relationship is you just want the other person to listen to you and to try and understand. And even if they can't fully understand it, to empathize. You know, she, I learned so much about motherhood from her and just you know the the things that would not even occur to me of what it must be like to be a mother and the pressures that you might face or the things that you might be contending with and I think vice versa in terms of aspects of my life that I talk to her about but I think it's about listening to each other and I think it's just not just making assumptions of how they might be feeling about something. I read an article that um Porna wrote about your relationship in which she had transcribed a text which you wrote to her after her book was published. Do you remember writing that? I do. I was so proud of her. Um, I feel really emotional talking about it. Um, I, I'm the sobber, the weeper in this in this in this family very much. Um, we've had wildly different experiences in so many ways. Um, I've been divorced. She lost her husband. I was very sick when I was in my late twenties. You know, we've we've lived in different countries, and we've we've had very different experiences. And those experiences could have taken us further away from each other. I think we've always managed to um, hold on to this kind of tether between us that I think we've always held on to when things have gone become really tough when we've maybe not understood the other person very well. We always hold on to this bond as something unbreakable. Mm. You mentioned bereavement. Of course, you've written a lot about your husband, um, Rob. And I wonder if you could tell me what role your sister played um, after he took his life seven years ago, please. So Priya was actually in my parents' house when I got the phone call. So Rob died in New Zealand. Um, and because we were going through a separation, I had decided to spend a few days at my parents. And Priya had come over with my niece, who was then so tiny. She was about, you know, 10 months old, um, because she just came over to support me and knew that I was going through a tough time. And I think she was supposed to stay a couple of nights. And that night we got the call. I was lying downstairs in the bedroom with my daughter, who was only about three or four months, I think, at that time. She was really tiny. She wasn't sleeping. And I heard this really, I heard a wail, like a really primeval kind of sob that came from upstairs. And I knew in that moment, I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what else had been happening, but I knew that something really, truly terrible had happened. 
And I just remember, you know, um, sitting downstairs on the sofa with my knees up to my chest and she just held me. And I don't know that I would have wanted anyone else next to me in that moment. And she didn't, you know, she didn't talk at me. She didn't try and make me feel better. She just was there. And I remember tucking Leela up into bed and then going to find Purna and we sat on the sofa together and just held each other and talked and it was really surreal as times of grief I think often are. There's a there's a sort of a buffering when your mind and your body are trying to process the fact that that person isn't in the world anymore but you can't somehow process it because it seems to it seems to impossible, too unfeasible that someone who existed now doesn't exist in the physical realm anymore. And I remember moments of, well, I desperately wanted to go with her to New Zealand, and I would have done, but Leela was so tiny, I it was just impossible. And it really, um, it really wrenched at me. And she just kind of very unusually, because, you know, this isn't something Priya would normally do. She just took charge and she just said, someone has to go with her. She cannot go on her own. And at the time, I just remember thinking, well, you know, I'm not a baby. I can go on my own. This was the only, if I could have done anything for my sister, I would have wanted to go with her. And I couldn't. Um, and I, I thought about all the different options. I thought, maybe I could take Leela with me. And then I thought, maybe taking a three-month-old um, and that kind of journey was not the best idea so I had to very reluctantly um you know decide not to go and her best friend Mal went with her. I am forever grateful to Priya for pushing that through because I do not know what my state of mind would have been at the end of a 24-hour flight of just thinking about everything without someone there to distract me or just to help me with things. And in that period, she was everything I needed from my big sister. And I'm fe <laughs> feeling quite emotional while I say this now. But um, yeah, she just protected me and looked after me. And I love her. <laughs> I wonder um, how you would describe briefly her character, please. <laughs> oh, poor night is just... There's no one like her. She is funny she's determined I think she doesn't see barriers to things she decides she wants to do something and she goes and does it she's super grounded and I don't think she ever takes herself too seriously and she's really fun to be around so tell me a little bit about how you would describe her character briefly please I would say that she is one of the most hardworking people that I know. I would describe her as strong, fiery. She will always stand up for what she thinks is right. She prepares. She will have prepared for this podcast far more thoroughly than I would have done. Um, She's older siblings, eh? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, but also one of the funniest people that I know and even though when she is doing big sister stuff like I don't know trying new things or telling me about something new and I'm very resistant to it like clockwork about a year after you know she started a new trend I then kind of hop on like trailing after her like the quintessential little sister. 
Can you give me an example of something that you've been like, ugh, honestly, and then you've got on board with? <laughs> so, so many things. I mean, one of the things um, that pops into my head is around investing in good fitness wear, because, you know, if you go to a gym, it makes you feel a lot better. Oh, yes. She used to wear, I don't know, like, it was sort of our granddad's oversized T-shirt or something, How and it was just you. this horrendous, <laughs> this massive men's T-shirt, I think jogging bottoms uh, and like mismatched socks and that was what she used to wear and then yeah and I was in my nice kind of workout gear. Um, And if you wanted to wind her up how could you do that still today that sort of button you could press that would just make her see red instantly? Oh I still do this so every time I have to undertake a trip um, I pack I pack my suitcase at the last minute and I will troll her with pictures of my empty suitcase and a countdown of when my flight's about to leave and it's (laughs) It makes her go absolutely mad, but I love it. <laughs> we call that danger packing in our family. Oh my God, yes. Why does that get God, to you? I, I feel irritated when I'm hearing this now. Why? I get very anxious when it comes to travelling and flying, getting very close to the time and not being ready and prepared. And so Purna feeds into that by just sending me these pictures going, oh, I'm going to the airport in two hours. Ha ha. I, haven't, I don't know where my passport is or something. And um, and it just makes me really stressed. I don't know why. It's not rational. We voice note each other about five or six times a day. And Catherine, you do not... <laughs> it sounds really mad when you say that. <laughs> I mean, these, these are not 30-second jobbies. You know, we're talking a minimum five to seven-minute download. And it's something that started in lockdown, actually, and because we were... Purna was in lockdown by herself and I was with my husband and, and daughter, but all of us, I think, were feeling a bit alone and isolated. And we started it then... And then it just kind of carried on. Imagine a constant two-way channel that's open <laughs> between two people and thoughts and feelings are just flowing down it. <laughs> Thank you to Porna and to Priya. Thank you too for listening. Everyone when I got married thought it would be absolutely hilarious, I use that term very sarcastically, to shorten my name to Poobles, which obviously sounds like Poobel, which is the word for dustbin in French. <laughs> And then that has now become a, a sort of a, a nickname for everyone else. So Priya is Preebles. Leela, her daughter, is Leebles. Leebles is really cute. It's <laughs> really not, Catherine. <laughs> it is. Priya, I'm sorry. She got it out of me. Oh, God, I knew you'd cave. I'd also like to say a huge thank you to our sponsors for this season of Relatively Find My Past for digging into their extraordinary records and uncovering surprising and often revelatory family stories. Find My Past is the only place online where you can access the 1921 census. So if you want to start your family, tree or add colour to what you know already, then findmypast.co.uk is the place to do it. Thank you to Tanita Tickerham for letting us use her amazing song. This is a pocket production and sound design is by Nick Carter at mixsonics.com. Safe inside, and your mom's too proud. Your brother's ignoring you. You still feel safe inside. Oh, was it solo? Was it yesterday? Was